Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Bank Street Cast on RotoViz Radio, brought to you by our friends over at Blue Wire on the RotoViz Radio Network. Been waiting for months to say it, Dan. The NFL draft is in the books. How was your NFL draft weekend? Uh, it was it was good. I, I had to work for a little bit of it, but um, it was it was nice to be able to finally see the names and the in the landing spots and all of this stuff we've been looking forward to the the randomness of some weird first round players and some guys that fell that maybe we didn't anticipate falling. So I think all in all, most landing spots were pretty favorable, but uh, we'll we'll go through that here in in a moment. All right, so I'm excited to get into it. We're going to be covering a lot of teammates on today's show and then sprinkle in a couple others that we just want to talk about. Obviously, we're not going to get to every player draft, and we're not going to get to the Alabama wide receivers. If you're if you're craving some Jalen Waddle talk, I'm sure we'll get to that next week. But for this week, we're going to kick off with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville Jaguars, they had the first pick in the NFL draft. You may know that from, you know, being alive for the last few months and they selected one Trevor Lawrence. And then the, maybe a little bit more of a surprise was that at pick 25, they selected Travis ETN. So Dan, I think we've actually gone over Trevor Lawrence and his value as a Jaguar a good bit. So I don't really have to go too far into that. I think it's a great landing spot. DJ Chark, LaVisca Chanel, Marvin Jones, and now adding another weapon, another piece to this puzzle. Thankfully, it's not who Urban Meyer wanted. Urban Meyer wanted to, to get himself some Kadarius Tony. He didn't get that. He did get himself some Travis Etienne. Um, my, my initial take on it is from a real football perspective, I think it's a terrible pick. <laughs> yeah. um, but from a fantasy football perspective, I think it's a great pick for Etienne. I think it's a great pick for Lawrence. I think that this offense is going to be very, very good sooner rather than later. And ETN has top five RB upside in a top in a potential top five NFL offense. So th- this is a weird one. I- I've gone back and forth on, on whether or not I, I either love or hate ETN to the Jags. And it- we can have the conversation of, of the first round running backs, you know, being whatever, you know, the, the group of late ones that go from 23 or 24 until like 32 to 35 in that range. And there's a couple of decent ones. Most of them are pretty awful, uh, or at least very, very, very short-lived. We're talking that that one, two, three-year window at best. Uh, and obviously, you know, historical data matters a little bit, but it's certainly not the rule. And with James Robinson already there, proving that he's an NFL running back last year, at my, my very first instinct was, wow, that sucks. It's and then I actually had the the opposite reaction. You saying it's a terrible football pick, but pretty good for fantasy. I thought my initial reaction was, well, I mean, yeah, that makes sense for real football, but why the hell would we? That's terrible for fantasy. And I started thinking about it, and I mean, there's no shot they use a 25th overall pick on Travis Etienne. The way he profiles out, like Elvin Kamara light and not use him that way. I mean, even even when Alvin Kamara had to deal with Mark Ingram for a very short period of time, he's still crushed. I, I can definitely see the the offense operating in that fashion, where uh, James Robinson is kind of a thorn in the side, but Etienne is so good that 
he's going to get his regardless of of the volume. Like obviously we want to see volume from him and they'll get there eventually. I think in the short term, he's going to be the super efficient producer that that we kind of did get to see in Alvin Kamara. And I hope that they kind of see he is a three down back and not just a, a pass catcher or not just a you know a gadget guy, whatever you want to call him. And I, I don't know if Urban Meyer really, uh, I don't know if anybody really trusts Urban Meyer at this time with with player eval, obviously getting the pick of the litter at Ohio State and Florida and wherever he's been over over the years. It's a little bit different than drafting players, but I think where I stand now is it's great for Travis Etienne. It's horrible for the Jags from a football perspective, but it, it only props up Trevor Trevor Lawrence's value even more than Travis Etienne's, I think. I don't even think it's. I don't think it's horrible from an NFL perspective. I think it's just bad. Like, well, it's a first round running back. There's nothing. Yes, there's yeah. nothing good about a first round running back. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, but yeah, with ETN and just to you know do a slight comparison of Najee Harris. Obviously, that's who's who he's being compared to for rookie drafts. I currently have Travis ETN as my RB one because it's basically the same draft capital pick twenty four, pick twenty five. I think uh, Travis ETN plays himself more of the you know, current NFL game of the pass catcher of the guy who can, you know, win in space and Najee Harris is more of the grind him out, you know, get your four or five yards of carry type guy. And so I'm, I'm going to take the more modern back. And, and mainly I talked about it over and over and it just came to fruition. Najee Harris went to the Steelers. That's been mocked all off season. And I even talked about it on the road of his show that we recorded uh, on the night of the first round. I don't, I still don't understand why the Steelers are considered a good landing spot. And people are like, Najee, uh, Najee Harris, pick 24, great landing spot with the Steelers. <laughs> why? Why is he a great landing spot? Well, they're, they're stuck in the past. I mean, uh, one of the guys, when you're looking at the road of his, um, the, the sim scores for, for someone like Travis Etienne is Richard Mendenhall. Go back to Mendenhall, then you look at Le'Veon Bell. You look at these guys that they've they've taken with somewhat early picks and turned into fantasy studs, and they're stuck on that. What people don't realize is this offensive line isn't anywhere near what those offensive lines were. This offense isn't anywhere near what those offenses were. Big Ben is a million years old. His shoulder is dead. He's on the verge of retirement. They have four really good wide receivers, possibly five. You now add in a running back that's probably just going to run the ball 250 times, and we hope and pray that he gets some some work as a pass catcher. You add in a couple of tight ends now, and I, I just don't see how a running back here right now is great. It, it, it's probably going to be good volume. I, I think we have to assume it's going to be good, if not great volume. The issue is, is the quality of the volume. I, I don't think he is going to be a difference maker early on. And going back to ETN, ETN, his long-term upside is so huge because of how good that offense can be. And that's really yep. what I'm buying when I'm taking him at 102, 103. Um, so where are you at with ETN? Where, where do you have him in like your one QB rankings? Um, I obviously Superflex get a little bit different when you input, input the quarterbacks. Yeah. So originally I thought it was Najee by, by a good bit. After actually collecting my thoughts and thinking about it, I have them 1A, 1B, uh, and I guess it depends on how you're willing to look at it. Short short window, I think it's Najee uh, by a hair, just because he is going to have significantly more volume, in my opinion, than ETN. But long-term value, I think we do see Travis ETN into a second contract 
whereas Najee Harris more than likely is going to get run into the earth. And he is one of these rookie contract running backs. And that's all we get out of him of real fantasy value. All right. Yep. So, oh, and do you have Chase Pitts as your, uh, yeah, I guess we don't have them this year for today. Um, do you have Chase Pitts as your 101, 102, and, and then talk about the running backs? So I, I did, I tweeted it as well, but I, I really don't think there's a wrong order to have what I consider now the top four. I, I was indifferent on ETN at first. Now, now he's in that group with me. He's in that tier. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shame someone for taking Kyle Pitts one. I think, I think he, and and that says a lot coming from me as a as a tight end hater. Uh, if there were one, uh, you know, my my preference there is probably always going to be Chase. You and I build teams somewhat similarly from chasing that young wide receiver with the high end upside. So I think right now I would say it's probably Chase Pitts and then the running backs. I usually don't take team build into it quite as much, but if my team was desperate and I thought I was a running back away from competing, I would probably consider ETN at 101. Yeah, it and just to wrap up that 104, 101 to 104 conversation, I, I would say if I had the 102 pick and Chase went off the board, I would just tra- trade down to four, get any semblance of value that I can take. And most likely, I prefer ETN of, of those three. And most likely he's going to fall to that four spot. So if you can get any value moving down between even one to four or two to four, I think that is a move to make. Absolutely. Now let's, now let's go to a team that moved up to the number three overall pick, uh, going from 12 to three, giving up two future firsts and I think a third as well. We have the San Francisco 49ers. Um, there was the all the Mac, 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 Mac Jones talk. Um, there was, you know, some hope about Justin Fields, but it lands up being somewhere in the middle. It's not as great as Justin Fields. It's not as bad as Mac Jones. We have Trey Lance going to the Bay Area in California. And I think this is exciting. I, you know, a lot of people consider him a raw prospect, a guy who, you know, is a boom bust type. But the weapons he has in San Francisco with, Tra- with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle and now Trey Sermon, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Like, this is an offense that could be very good, especially if, if, Trey Lance is boom bust and he booms. This offense is going to be ridiculous. If there's a place he could do it and it actually had a realistic outcome, it's going to be San Francisco. I'm, I'm staying kind of by my guns on this one. Uh, I think Trey Lance is a fantastic prospect, but he is just that to me, a prospect. I don't think he is a polished ready to go player. Uh, I, and I, like I said, I, I think if anyone were to be able to do it, it's going to be Kyle Shanahan surrounding him with these weapons in this type of offense. So I I like the Trey Lance here. I I would have loved the Justin Fields move uh, to San Francisco. Obviously they saw something in Lance that they thought uh, he maybe had more upside, which I I can't argue with that. I think if, if Lance puts everything together and he becomes potentially what they saw in him, I think this is, this could potentially be one of the best picks ever that wasn't an obvious Trevor Lawrence or an obvious Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning or whatever. Um, but you know, there's, there's a lot of work to be done. I I don't think he's anywhere near NFL ready. That's, that's the big flaw in his game that I see. I think he's got the brain for it. I think he's got the legs for it. All of that stuff in between that can be taught. That isn't one of those like intangible things where like you either have it or you don't like he's got that. Right, I don't think we can argue that that he doesn't have the intangibles. I think it's the the physical stuff that he is going to need to learn to be able to be successful at the next level. But man, if he smashes, wow, this offense could be 
massive. Yeah, and I will say that when we're talking about the conversation of the quarterbacks, I currently have them QB two because there's enough of a draft capital separation. There's enough of a there's enough of a uh, you know landing spot uh, separation that I have him QB two. But I do recognize he still has probably the lowest or one of the lower floors of the of the big five quarterbacks. But uh, and I believe Matt Friedman, you know, formerly of Rotovis Action Network. Um, he has Lance as a QB one over Lawrence. So he sees the upside. He sees how good, the, I mean, you and I have been talking about Kyle Shanahan offenses on podcasts for the last like six years. Um, <laughs> he's and, good at what he does. <laughs> and so, you know, he's going to put Lance in a position to win in a, in a position to score fantasy points. So, uh, I'm all aboard Lance at, at QB two hesitantly over fields at QB three. But I, I think that, you know, it, it's, I don't think you can really go wrong between those two. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, even putting even putting Trevor Lawrence into that bowl, I, I think all three of those guys, all said and done, are going to be relatively similar. I mean, the, the numbers say that one of these guys, for sure, if not two of them, probably aren't going to be great. But it's, it's the other guys we haven't talked about yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. So I do, I do think there is a reasonably high chance that Trey Lance is successful. I'm just still a little bit skittish because of a, the small school bit he played against cupcakes and he really only had one season. And that one season was great with his legs. It was fine with his arm. He didn't turn the ball over ever. He threw at a fine efficiency rate, but he didn't really ever look great. He just looked like he was beating up on a team. He should absolutely beat up each and every week. So I, I I would love to be proven wrong there because that offense would be absolutely untouchable if he becomes what they're hoping for. And that goes into Trey Sermon talk. Uh, obviously, third round pick uh, to the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers have an absolute mess at the, at the running back position. They have Jeffrey Wilson. They have uh, Raheem Mostert. And Kyle Shanahan, while we do like him for his quarterbacks and his receivers – he does kind of make a mess of the running back position, especially during his San Francisco 49ers tenure. I think that Trey Sermon in his third round draft capital does, you know, I mean, is that the highest that Shanahan has spent on a running back, at least in San Francisco? So Yeah, I think uh, it's got to be. Yeah, so I, I think that this puts him in position to be a possible RB1, you know, in the offense. And even if you're an RB1 in a very good offense, that turns into possible RB1, you know, obviously that's the absolute ceiling for Trey Sermon, but his ceiling definitely rose when he went in the third round to the Kyle Sheenhan offense. Oh, there's no question. And, and I think Trey Sermon is one of the guys that projects as a three down workhorse back in this class. You know, he, he left Oklahoma on not great terms. He wasn't healthy. He was getting, getting, you know, the, little bit of playing time that he was because he either wasn't healthy or just wasn't really getting it. He, he wasn't really there to split time when he went there. He was told he was the guy uh, and he was for a short period of time, but he, he struggled to stay healthy. So uh, I, I think, I think there's a lot of Joe Mixon there, which again is somebody who we really haven't seen healthy, but when he's on the field, he's a difference maker. And again, you put him in a Shanahan offense and he fits pretty much perfectly I think Trey Sermon potentially provides some clarity at the RB position for the first time in a while in a Shanahan offense. Uh, I see him as the three down workhorse guy. I think by the time season starts, Trey Sermon in rookie drafts will be going in the same, if not before Devontae Williams. I, I just, 
I think he's got it. I, I do believe he is a three down workhorse guy. Yep, for sure. Um, so where are we putting him in rookie drafts? I right now I've been seeing him around the you know one two turn around where he's been going, and he from what I've seen is basically after Sermon's gone, that's where the bottom has fallen out. That for the most part, all the first round wide receivers are gone, all the day two running backs are or day one and day two running backs are gone. So he does seem like the end of a tier for the most part, outside of maybe Tony going after him. Yeah, I, I mean it's it's weird when you when you look at the list. After the top four, right, you get your Devonta Smiths, your Jalen Waddles, your Devonte Williams, and I feel like that trio is probably right ahead of Sermon right now. But then you have the argument for Rashad Bateman, who, if anywhere but Baltimore happened, he's probably my wide receiver one in this class. Not even joking. Terrace Marshall, I liked a lot. Don't love Carolina, but it is what it is. I feel like Bateman, Marshall, Sermon, uh, Rondale Moore are, are kind of all in that same ballpark too. So I think by the time season starts, we are going to have a very, very large tier two. And like you said, a very steep shutoff, cutoff. The rest of them are going to be irrelevant aside from maybe like a random Amari Rogers, you know, or uh, Diami Brown. Yeah, I I think we'll see a couple of those middle or late guys skyrocket because of potential workloads. Um, But uh, there's a there's a lot of just mediocrity between like seven and 15 in rookie drafts. And I think Sermon probably belongs at the top of it. Right. And he's being drafted near the bottom of it. Right. That's that's a big difference. And I think Sermon is definitely one of those guys that is at the bottom of this tier now. But once we get to July, August, when we're like, oh, this is point scoring season, he could end up being towards the top of that tier with Rashad Bateman, with, you know, Kadarius Tony. <laughs> well, I, you know, that's we'll we'll see about that one. I, I don't Tony's like if he's there in the third, I'll take him. <laughs> All right, let's go on to the J.E.T.S. Jets, Jets, Jets. The New York Jets, uh, the the 14-year-old boy, Zach Wilson, went number two <laughs> overall. Um and then he was accompanied by a couple weapons with Elijah Moore in the second and Michael Carter almost said Wendell Carter, shout out to basketball, Michael Carter in the fourth. So I like that what the Jets are doing. I didn't necessarily love giving up thir- uh, two third round picks in order to move up for a guard, um, but I'm not a you know football analyst, obviously. I'm a fantasy football analyst. So I will say that with Zach Wilson, he's a guy that, I'm going to like simply because of draft capital isn't matching his current, you know, ADP or matching his current value. Um, you know, oftentimes the number two overall quarterback isn't being valued as the QB four at minimum. And that's what's happening here. I'm not saying I'm drafting Zach Wilson over the other two that we've talked about, but I, I still think he's a, he's a value in the mid first of Superflex or in the like mid to late second of one QB. It is kind of interesting though, how most fantasy players, dynasty players, specifically always seem to know that those J E T S jets, jets, jets make the wrong pick. It happened with Sam Darnold. He wasn't the top guy. Uh, It's happening with Zach Wilson. It seems to happen with all the skill players that they take, but we also in that predicament are getting Elijah Moore being in my opinion, way too highly drafted in rookie drafts. Okay. That's interesting. Um, I think that he's going, 
I think I think he belongs in the tier he's in. Obviously, I think that he is valued correctly. But I have some faith in the, the Jets' offense, and so if you don't, if you have no faith in the Jets' offense, I can understand you saying that he doesn't belong where, he, where he's going in the late first or early second. But you know, he's a guy that I'm perfectly fine getting there because I mean, I, th- I thought he was a fine prospect, and then you know, some of the metric stuff li- likes him as well. Are you taking him over Trey Sermon? It depends, pro- pro- probably. See, I, I'm nowhere near that. I'd take him ahead of Kadarius Tony, <laughs> if that counts for anything. Um, I, I mean, I think the fit is nice because he does slot in there pretty well opposite Corey Davis. My questions remain with Zach Wilson. Is he Baker Mayfield or is he Johnny Manziel? Who knows? I think that's that's probably his floor and his ceiling. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he is the, the next great. I mean, maybe he's Russell Wilson. Uh, who Who really knows there, to be completely honest? But Elijah Moore, you know, as just kind of a, a slot guy, I'm not in love with him the way that I was in love with someone like Sterling Shepard. Yeah, I, I mean, and Sterling Shepard hasn't exactly had a glorious career. He's scored enough points to stay really relevant. But, you know, maybe maybe that's Elijah Moore's ceiling. And are we really comfortable taking him ahead of Rondale Moore, Trey Sermon, uh, Diami Brown, even guys like that? I mean, yeah, he's got the draft capital, great, and and we, that's pretty much what we have to go off of that and, and college film. But I, I just, I, I don't, I'm not in love with it. I would even probably rather have Michael Carter at this point. I think I saw more out of him in college uh, and going into a position completely vacant of any, you know, breathing life aside from uh, the, who do they have one return? Michael Pirine or something like that? Flamical. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I think, I think everybody, all three of those guys obviously have really nice potential to produce. I think all three of them being rookies and that offense being so young, it's going to be a struggle. And and I think it's probably going to take a couple of years. Let's hope that Corey Davis is an absolute target hog, but even then, you know, when you have 40% catchable balls, it's probably not going to go very well. For sure. So if, if there's one of these, these three guys that you are targeting, it seems like you're saying it's Michael Carter. I mean, in, in two QB and Superflex leagues, if if Zach Wilson's still going where he's been going like late first, I, I would love that value. I'll take that every day of the week because it's still a quarterback in a Superflex league. But if we're just talking one quarterback, I think I'm probably end up going to be targeting Michael Carter. Uh, I think he's got the most upside, you know, the most bang for your buck there. Yeah, and just a, a quick slide in. Michael Carter, a much better value at his ADP than his college teammate, Javante Williams, who is going, for some reason, at 105. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can talk about him a little bit next week, but I'm not sure I understand Javante Williams' value at the moment. So let's go on to the B-E-A-R-S, um, the spelling B version of the, uh, the NFL <laughs> draft show. Bears, Bears, uh, Bears. The Justin Fields, um, the Bears, speaking of organizations that normally make bad trades and bad moves, the Bears made a good one, giving up a first-round pick in order to get from 20 to 11 and select one Justin Fields. So the best news out of all of this is that Allen Robinson has the best quarterback of his life. (laughs) When this happened, I have a couple of Bears friends, and and I sent them the Dumb and Dumber video of the – when you went and did something like that, I didn't think you could possibly be any dumber. But then you go and do something like this and totally redeem yourself. This was Ryan Pace's redemption tour. This this is it. 
this is the best draft he's ever had by a mile, even if we only consider one pick. Made a great trade, got great value. Obviously, I love Justin Fields. I've loved Justin Fields since since he came out of high school into college. Still view it as a 1A, 1B with Trevor Lawrence. I thought that way uh, when when they were both high school seniors and, and uh, college freshmen. And I still view it that way. I, I think Trey Lance obviously has the optimal landing spot of the three. Trevor Lawrence has the second best landing spot. But the Justin Fields landing spot in Chicago isn't a bad one. It's probably in the mediocre section. I just think Justin Fields has a much more polished and ready to go, it, you know, ability than someone like Trey Lance. So you talked about Trey Lance edging Justin Fields earlier. I have Fields ahead of Lance, and I actually probably have Fields closer to Lawrence than Lance to Fields. Um, Which I did too before landing spot Niners third overall pick and then Bears, which eh, in 11th overall. I get it, but I mean, there's some there's some nice stuff there still. You do have Allen Robinson. You have Darnell Mooney who came on hot, who is going to be, I think, a difference maker. Uh, you've got good enough running backs in David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen, who is a big playmaker as well that they're getting back this year. The offensive line is good enough. I think we can say good enough. Um, probably in the ballpark of on par with San Francisco, maybe a little bit behind. But I think the big difference is the polish here. I, I think Fields is ready to go. And as soon as Andy Dalton makes one mistake, it's Justin Fields backfield. And, and that's or offense, I should say, not backfield. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case with Trey Lance. I think he is taking the year to be ready. No, but the pro- this was brought up uh, after the, the pick was made over the weekend. Trey Lance can't sit because if he doesn't sit, he will have gone two whole years without playing football like that. There's no way the Niners can let Lance have two years without playing football. I mean, maybe, maybe that's how he learns best. Nathan, we don't know that. Okay. I mean, (laughs) you know me long enough that I hate, 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 hate developing quarterbacks on the bench. I think it's the dumbest thing you could possibly do. He's going to get smoked if they throw him to the wolves right away. I can tell you that right now. He's not ready for that fast pace of a game. They played JV football at North Dakota State. He would get absolutely destroyed. And as much as I, like like you, hate sitting players that have this kind of draft capital and upside, I also understand it because you can completely, completely destroy someone's confidence and and, uh, uh, questioning their ability in themselves. Look at Sam Darnold. Absolutely horrible. We thought... Some people thought he was going to be very good. Really big profile, went to the worst possible landing spot, had the worst possible offense, and got absolutely throttled. Wasn't ready. Jets were bad. A whole nine. Obviously, it's a little bit different with Trey Lance. Goes to a very good situation, but he hasn't played football in a year. The last time he did play football was against really, really slow football players when you consider the big picture. So... I think he needs time to get up to speed. Yes, it's good to do that in-game, but it's also good to be able to see that. He's not going to just go in and do it. I'm like 99% sure that someone going from that pace to the NFL can't do it just by throwing out there. So wrapping up Fields here, I have Fields 4 in Superflex. I have Lawrence 1, Chase 2, Lance 3, Fields 4. And yes, I know Lawrence is in a tier of his own, but if I can get any of two through four Chase Lance Fields, I am a happy, happy camper. 
Yeah, I'm taking all three quarterbacks, one, two, three. Um, I'm pretty comfortable there. I love Jamar Chase. I think he's an absolutely wonderful player. Uh, I think he's going to smash. I thoroughly despise what is the landing spot, Be just, just strictly from a volume perspective. He's going to have to deal with Tyler Boyd. Obviously, running mates with T. Higgins for the long haul is a good thing, but being third fiddle short term and, and potentially even a little bit longer than that, if the outlook for Zach Taylor is to have three competent wide receivers and a running back, uh, volume could be slim until that one. You know, once that team becomes a, a little more uh, established, that is, as of right now, they're probably going to have enough volume in the passing game to make make Chase belong in that tier. I, I just I think value wise, you're you're not going to get much more value than than you are of those three quarterbacks. And honestly, picking at 103 and getting whatever's left of um, Fields or or Trey Lance, I'm more than happy with. I think that's the the bread and butter spot. All right, now let's hear a word from Roto Viz. Hi guys, Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and co-host of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast with Sean Siegel. We are closing in on 200 episodes and it's competition time, but more on that in just a moment. I want to let you know as a loyal podcast listener, as always, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass. All you need to do is enter that code RVRADIO2021 at checkout on the website or go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. You can get all the access to all of the great tools on the site, all of the content. Get yourself ready to win your fantasy championships this upcoming season. I mentioned competition time. Well, now here's the news. 200 episodes coming up here for myself and Sean. We're giving away some Rotoviz subscriptions. It's super simple to enter. Just drop a five-star review for Rotoviz Overtime on your favorite podcast app for a chance to win. The top prize is a three-month subscription and an appearance on a future Rotoviz Overtime podcast to get a talk with myself and Sean. Already have a Rotoviz subscription? Thank you for that. But don't worry, if you win, we'll add it on to your current subscription. So what are you waiting for? Drop that review today for the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. And of course, when you're there, drop a rating for today's show as well that you're listening along to. Thanks as always for being a loyal podcast listener on Rotoviz Radio. Enjoy the show. That's right, folks. All the great content, all the great tools, 10% off promo code RVRADIO2021. Now, let's get into the New England Patriots. Um, may have heard of them. They have Bill Belichick as a coach. <laughs> um, I got into a heated debate uh, with Dave Cabin on the Road of His show on Thursday night um, for basically, and I, I didn't know this was a hot take, but I think Bill Belichick is bad for fantasy assets. Um, <laughs> there was some pushback on that, you know, Bill Belichick winning what six super bowls and all that nonsense. But what has that meant for fantasy stuff? Like, I don't understand. I think Mac is fine. Mac. I thought that I would like Mac more from a, like a fantasy value perspective than I would, but he's going, I think where he should be. He's going in like the one Oh eight to one ten range of Superflex. I think that's where his value is. Like I, I typically the Mac Jones type prospect in each draft is a guy who I, I value higher than the, than the rest of the people because I'm often taking him in like the 112 to like 203 range of Superflex, but a few picks higher. And I don't, I think that value has diminished. So what are your thoughts on the Patriots being a good landing spot? And what are your thoughts on Mac to, to the Patriots in general? Um, I mean, I think it's, 
it's generally speaking the the re- like the best for quarterbacks and for tight ends. I think those are the positions we've seen year in and year out. Uh, aside from a couple of Cam Newton years here uh, of late, or, or some Cam Newton time here of late, that maybe it hasn't been exactly true. But obviously, historically speaking, when you have the goat Tom Brady, and then a whole slew of absolute unknowns, one you know pretty decent one in Randy Moss, another decent one in Wes Welker. Uh, some people seem to think Julian Edelman is worthy of the Hall of Fame, but you know, aside from a couple of guys they just don't really ever have the wide receivers. It's always been about tight ends. They've always been able to run the football, but they've always had Tom. Now, is it possible Mac Jones is like 30% of Tom Brady? Maybe. But I I think the real upside in any of this is just the fact that you have a starting quarterback in Mac Jones uh, at some point. I, I think, again, uh, he's probably going to sit for a little bit. We'll see. I can't imagine Cam would be still on the Patriots if he was going to do anything but start. So I don't, I don't hate it. I think it's probably best case scenario for Mac Jones to potentially I mean, become the, the best great. case scenario was, was three to the Niners. Well, <laughs> yes. So as far as talent around you coaching, you know, like a, the perfect landing spot that has a little bit of everything. I'm just saying, you know, you're getting Bill Belichick, you're getting Josh McDaniels, whatever they put around you is going to work because the offense for some reason just works regardless of the personnel. Um, but it, the nice part for him is it's seeming to, it's coming together that it's going to be a run first offense. So, you know, you, you still have Damian Harris there. They bring in Ramondre, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, who's kind of a nice, a nice secondary back. I don't think he's really that, that alpha type. He's your punisher. You know, D- Damian Harris has a little bit of of the the shiftiness, I guess, in his game, a lot more so than what Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson brings. But I, I think they'll probably work decently in tandem, and, and a nice running game is going to only help Mac Jones, uh, who now has uh, really nice weapons in Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Uh, they'll probably find a wide receiver that someone left on the underneath the bridge uh, on the way into Foxborough or something. But outside of that, you know, the, the wide receiver core there is um, not good. I think we can go with not good. So I don't know. I, I think you're right, Nathan. I don't think fantasy really at any point is good in New England. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's easy to say like, oh, it's a great landing spot because they had the best quarterback for the last 20 years. Like, yeah, <laughs> he landed there. Like he created the landing spot. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll see what Matt can do there. I think, like I said, he's not bad. He's not even... Over, I don't think he's overvalued. I think he's valued around where I expected him to be valued. Now, as far as Ramondre Stevenson, he's not a guy I expected to walk away from draft week and saying, I want myself some Ramondre Stevenson. And I'm not even like that now, but over my early drafts and auctions that have started, I'm ending up with a few Ramondre Stevenson shares because he he's at the top of the, after all of the day two guys are gone, he's typically who's left. Like Amon Ross St. Brown typically sneaks into within within the day two guys. And Michael Carter sneaks in w- within the day two guys. Ramondi Stevenson is a guy who's still there once all the day two guys are gone. Because typically I'm not taking a day three guy at any position over a day two guy outside of like quarterback in a one QB league. And that's just how I operate. But Stevenson is, is one where 
Like I'm, I, I took Stevenson, I think above uh, Tutu in one league, and that's because Tutu, yeah. that's because Tutu is like twelve pounds. Um, <laughs> but you know, outside of that, I rarely take day three guys ahead of day two guys. So in summation, Madre Stevenson, I'm taking him over over most of the day three guys. Yeah, I think, and I think that's definitely fair. I think there's there's real upside for Stevenson. I think definitely uh, as far as red zone work goes. I think he can dominate that just because of his run style. It's, you know, the short yardage, the, the, the must, you know, the, the first down, all of that stuff. I I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be a big time fantasy producer, but there is a small chance if he's going to do it, it's going to be in new England, but it'll probably be like RB two RB three type numbers. So he'll still have value. He's never going to win you a league. But uh, I like, you know, kind of like with Mac Jones, I think if there was a spot for him to go and to actually have some upside as a fourth round pick, it's probably New England just because of the way they run the ball. All right, let's move on to Rondale Moore and the Arizona Cardinals. A little bit of a surprising selection here. You know, Cardinals didn't seem like wide receivers the biggest need. They have some nice pieces with DeAndre Hopkins and Andy Isabella and Christian Kirk. Uh, but maybe they just saw Rondo Moore as the best NFL player on their board in round two, and I don't hate it. Um, it's going to be a high-volume passing offense in outside of Kyler's running himself. I don't really ever see a Kyler offense like, okay, they're going to sh- shove the ball down people's throats. They're going to be in the shotgun. They're going to be run- running all around the field, and your rushing yards is going to be going through Kyler, not through Chase Edmonds or not through whoever it may be. So. I think this is going to be a very solid offense. This is a very good landing spot for Rondell Moore. He he went in the second round. If, if he had dropped to the third, I would have been a little bit more worried about it. But in the second round, in a very good NFL offense, or what should be a great, very good NFL offense, I, I like you know getting him in that late first, early second. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Moore there as well. I think he's he's got all of the tools for that undersized type that – I mean, he really should be a, a, a smash, honestly. Uh, there was at a, a time, we've talked about this before, where Rondale was projected out to be a wide receiver one in this class. A lot of people had him at that spot. I don't think people thought he was 5'7". I think everyone was kind of under the understanding he was 5'9 or 5'10". Um, but, you know, his his lower body is built out just right. He's, he's kind of built like a running back, I guess, in that, uh, in that sense. But, yeah, I, I love the Arizona landing spot. They've needed that more dynamic playmaker. Uh, obviously, when you have Hopkins uh, and even someone like Christian Kirk, who's who's an above average player, um, certainly not like a game breaker or anything like that, but that's a really nice trio. Uh, and then you bring in the skeleton of A.J. Green, and now all of a sudden you're putting um, you know, a high upside rookie into a room with a couple of potential like Hall of Fame guys. So, uh, and, and I mean, Larry Fitzgerald will probably spend a little time with the team still as well, so... I think, I think it's a great spot for him. Um, I definitely see all of what we would want from you know the Brandon Cooks type, uh, what we still hope DJ Chark really becomes. The Mike Wallace looks, you know, you, you get a comp to someone like KJ Hamler. KJ Hamler has hand, hands like feet. Rondale Moore isn't that type of player. He's not just a straight line, uh, any anything like that. I, I think I think Rondale Moore has everything you would want from a wide receiver in just a really small package. That's that's all he is. So 
Um, I, I really like this one. I think he'll probably end up going a little bit closer to uh, to Waddle and Smith maybe than he is right now. Uh, he's probably right there with... Iggy leapfrogs Bateman? I think he's right there with Bateman. I think he leapfrogs Terrace Marshall. I think there's spots where he's even going for some reason behind Elijah Moore and Kadarius Toney just because of draft capital. Yeah, I think that most people have the Moors back-to-back after Bateman. I think most people have it, uh, you know, Chase, Alabama receivers, Bateman, and then Moors, um, which I think that's fair. I But I also, like you from this conversation today, uh, prefer Rondale on the Moore variety. Now, let's go to day three. We're each going to talk about one day three guy, and we'll carry on the rest of this conversation to next week. Uh, my favorite day three guy, there's a lot of different interesting landing spots, different, you know, fits going on. I'm going to go with one that doesn't necessarily love the the fit, but I just think that it's a, a guy who's going to be a great value in rookie drafts. And it's Seth Williams. Uh, you, you are a outspoken non-advocate of one KJ Hamler. Um, and <laughs> Seth Williams was at one point, one of the top Debbie players and has huge upside in that Denver offense. So if they can ever find a quarterback, I think things could get scary with Seth Williams, Jerry Judy, and Cortland Sutton, and Noah Fant. There's just a lot going on in that offense. It might be hard for him to break through into becoming a, you know, a consistent contributor, but I just like the talent, and he, you know, it's not like he was a seventh-round pick. Yeah, and he, I mean, he did come out of Auburn, SEC. He's playing against the you know he's playing against the guys he'll be playing against uh, on Sundays so uh I think he's at this point probably just like poor man's Cortland Sutton so we'll we'll see what happens there uh I think a, a Judy Seth Williams pairing as as a, a wide receiver tandem is formidable but that also means that Cortland Sutton isn't in the equation we'll see what health brings us in in 2021 slash 2022 for one Cortland Sutton uh, obviously, it would require that for Seth Williams to get anywhere near the the real playing field. But I do think he'll carve out a role, uh, a relatively small one. It, it's also going to require Denver having someone that knows up from down that plays under center and not a complete potato. So I don't mind the Seth Williams love there at all. I think he's probably going too late um, and really only because of the depth chart in front of him even though it's not super stacked, he's the wide receiver three probably at this point, aside from maybe KJ Hamler, uh, who, I mean, that's not really competition. We're, we're talking about being behind Judy and Cortland Sutton. So I like Seth Williams there. And, you know, hopefully, it, again, it can be just a, a little bit of a learning process and, and then get him in there. And a big part of that is his price. He's going in the fourth, late third, early fourth rookie drafts. It's not like he's going with some of the other guys that went on day three that is going early third, late second. For sure. Um, so I, I know we're only taking one here. I have two. Um, I, I have one that's a more valuable version who is just kind of seemingly falls into my type. Uh, and that's Amon Ross St. Brown. He's going to Detroit a massive amount of targets available in what's probably going to be a completely horrible team. Yes, he is Jared Goff, but even if this is short term, his his target volume should be tremendous. They can't give it to DeAndre Swift on every play. He'll die. Uh, I think Amon Ross St. Brown has really, really, really nice short-term value, but I also think he's got a decent ceiling. He's He's never going to be a wide receiver one in an offense. 
But we've seen over time how important these slot type guys are. Even though I do think he can play outside, I think he's most valuable inside as a slot type. So playing opposite of TJ Hawkinson, wherever he's going to be lining up, even if you do put Amon Ra outside and and let him play there, you know, what else is his his what's threatening him for targets? Quintez Cephas? I don't think I don't think we're really worried uh, about those types of guys stealing targets. It, I, I would guess this is going to be a massive season for T.J. Hawkinson, and I really do think Amon has a chance to to have a real rookie type breakout just on sheer volume. He may not look amazing doing it, but I think he's got a, a chance at a really high target share. So um, that's my that's my expensive guy that I really liked. And then when you slide down the list. Someone like Des Fitzpatrick, who is going into Tennessee, who d- lost pass catchers, only really added Josh Reynolds, who I like and I do think is probably going to be solidified as our wide receiver too there. But Des Fitzpatrick has the frame of of kind of the desirable types. Uh, coming out of Louisville, obviously he's not he's not super, super well-known. But again, there's just a really, really good chance for for volume in Tennessee. You still have Ryan Tannehill, who has proven that he is an NFL quarterback, believe it or not. Uh, no more no more of that wide receiver talk these days. And, you know, honestly, I would take him way before I would take Tutu Atwell, uh, if, if we're being completely honest. I think he's got more upside and and just the the right build for the NFL. I, I think I think he could potentially stick there as a wide receiver two or three opposite AJ Brown. Yeah, and you did put two guys that have very open receiving cores in Detroit and Tennessee. And I, I like both of those. Um, I'll throw one more in here that I think a lot of people are going to be like, why, why didn't you talk about this guy? Uh, my cousin Cornell Powell. Uh, <laughs> he he went to the Chiefs, uh, which. You know, they, they have some receivers. Most of them are not good. <laughs> Most of them not named Kelsey or Tyree Kill or, in fact, bad. So Cornell Powell, um, Clemson guy. And so he's going to have some – as much opportunity as a day three is gonna ha- guy is going to have, he's going to have an opportunity in a very good NFL offense to show if he is, you know, an NFL wide receiver. And if he does, then the sky's the limit on a guy who you're getting in the third round. That's right. Straight out of wide receiver university. Watkins is out of there. Hardman's been underwhelming. You know, Demarcus Robinson is essentially just a split out tight end. <laughs> There's a chance he has a role there. I, I don't think you're you're wrong. Uh, again, a guy that's over six feet has has kind of the right build and the right style. And honestly, Patrick Mahomes can make anyone fantasy relevant if they're out there to work. Um, playing opposite of, of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, you know, I would imagine it's gonna take some time for him to climb up the up the um, depth chart, but. You know, we've seen crazier things happen. All righty. That should wrap us up for this evening. Uh, that is our post-draft edition. We'll, we'll hit on all the other rookies. We I need to make sure we – I wrote right down everyone who we talked about today so we can make sure to cover everybody else next week. Um, thanks so much for joining me, as always, Dan, on, on your podcast. Um, <laughs> and we'll uh, talk – any last words before we head out? Just make sure you draft Brevin Jordan in the fourth. No, don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. Uh, But do subscribe, rate, review, promo code RVRADIO2021. We love you. See you guys next week. Kadosh! Kadosh!